Man, it's awesome to be here. You know, I was like, you're going to love him. Um, I hope you guys love me as we, uh, as we, uh, you know, uh, as we spend our time together. But man, it's just so good to see everyone here. Everything, everyone okay? Okay, okay. I think they got it. I think they got it. Man, you guys excited to spend a weekend in the glory of God and get touched by the Lord? Man, I was just enjoying the worship. I was enjoying the praise. Can we give it up for the praise team? Weren't they awesome? I'm really, really excited. I'm really stoked. You know, I just feel like you guys are hungry. Um, I was stalking you guys in the back, just seeing, you know, um, just seeing the culture of this place and just how receptive you guys were towards worship. And I was just really impressed. Um, I didn't know what, quite what to expect coming to this retreat, you know, but just, just being together just in that worship time and just seeing some of you guys just so passionately praise God and just go hard for God. Um, I'm super excited. I think God has something amazing in store for us. And so, um, I just want to say this, let's have big expectations for this weekend, amen? amen. Look, you can, you're allowed to have big, big expectations. This retreat is called Freedom Retreat, and I really believe that God wants to release freedom into our hearts, into our lives. He wants to release fresh breakthrough here. And this is not a promise that comes because I'm a good speaker, or you have amazing staff, which you do. This is not a promise for any of those reasons. It's a promise that I can back 100% because it's not on me, but it's on, but it's on the glory and the greatness and the beauty and the, and the awesomeness of our God. Amen? Amen. Yo, God's going to do some crazy things. And I just think that he's just looking for people who's going to agree with him that he can do crazy things in our lives. Because it's through faith that God moves. And so before I begin any message, I just feel like it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Unless, you know, we kind of make room for the message with a spirit and a posture of faith. Amen? Amen. So, man, you guys, we have uh, three sessions together. Not... A lot of sessions, but I really believe, I have conviction and faith in my heart that, man, God's going to move in these three sessions. So let's, like, get everything that we can receive from the Word of God, because God is ready to deliver this weekend. But the question is, are we ready to deliver ourselves in our heart posture? And I know that we are. Just a little bit about me. Mel shared, I served at this church, New Philly Church, New Philadelphia Church, um, uh, many years ago, two and a half years ago now. And I was a media pastor here, and I was with this church for three and a half years. It was an amazing time in my life, uh, just seeing God do crazy things. And then during that time, God called me back home to my home church. I'm actually a pastor's kid. Any PKs here? Any pastor's kids here? Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your name, man? John. Awesome, awesome. Where are you from, John? L.A. <laughs> LA. What church? You're, okay, your dad's a pastor called ANC. All Nations Church? Okay, gotcha. You know? <laughs> ANC, I mean, it could only mean so many things, right? All Nations Church. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool, man. Who else are pastor's kids here? Okay, okay, awesome, awesome. And I just want to say, I just, I feel you guys. And um, it was actually because I was a pastor's kid and my dad uh, started a church um, back in New Jersey where I'm from. And I grew up in that church that I just felt calling by the Lord to go back to my home church and help uh, build the youth ministry, help build the EM ministry. Um, and so I've been there for the last two and a half years, uh, sowing into the youth, sowing into the EM, sowing into the college ministry, and it's just been a great time there. And, uh, and when, and, um, and when Yoma contacted me out of the blue for the opportunity to come minister here at the retreat, Honestly, I was so, so honored, you know, because I know this. I have such a high level of respect for the staff here, by the way. I have such a high level of respect for the leaders of this ministry. And for, for to, to be asked to come minister at a place like this, like, it's a huge thing, you know. To be quite honest, when I, when I got the invitation, I was like, yes, I made it. <laughs> yes. I'm a good speaker to be invited to places like this. And then I quickly was like, oh, my goodness, what did I say yes to? <laughs> You know, and I just got, um, you know, like, I felt the, the fear of the Lord that, man, God wants to do something crazy here. But, um, but just, I just want to share a little bit about myself and, and how I came to be with you guys. And, and so, hey, again, I, th- I just feel like God wants to do some crazy things here. And uh, let's just expect God to do crazy things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk on the person and I want to talk on the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You know, I, I do believe... You know, we're all from different backgrounds here. 
You know, some of us maybe are from more charismatic traditions, uh, while some of us may be from more traditional traditions, traditional traditions, <laughs> or more like evangelical traditions. Uh, but I think one thing that's just been a blessing for me to see, I grew up a Presbyterian, and then, um, and then I experienced a lot of the charismatic movement when I was in college myself, actually when I was around your age. Um, and, and what's exciting for me to see now as, a, as someone who's much older than you guys, I know I look a little young, but, uh, but you know, uh, it's been a while since I was in college, is that I just feel like times are changing over the church as a whole, and it's just an, an exciting thing right now for the church, because I'm seeing an acceptance and a desire for more of the Holy Spirit in this day and age um, than ever before. I mean, you have people like Matt Chandler, you guys know who Matt Chandler is? Big fan of Matt Chandler. Francis Chan? Oh, Francis Chan. Man, It's crazy. Francis Chan, he was once a cessationist, meaning he didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and he used to just write things to oppose the Holy Spirit, oppose those kind of things, those kind of expressions and manifestations, but man, God has taken a hold of him, and you won't hear this from many people, but from my friends who are at, who are at YWAM Honolulu, um, not Honolulu, Kona, why did I say Honolulu? Jet lag, Okay. <laughs> But Francis Chan, he actually goes there every month on his own dime to worship with YWAM Missions Base. You guys know YWAM? Okay, okay, just want to make sure. And, and, and the dude is just worshiping, he's getting hit by the Spirit of God. Now he actually speaks in tongues himself. You know, you don't hear about that, but now he does. And, and I just recently saw a message by him where he was just, you know, just extolling, like... Man, like, man, I've been missing out. Like, this entire time of my life, I, I just was, I was under this mold that the book of Acts, that this stuff never happens anymore. And, and he was just, like, repenting um, to his church that he leads in San Francisco. And you could just tell there's just a shift in his heart uh, that I believe is representative of a major shift in the body of Christ from the most conservative traditions to the most charismatic. That Holy Spirit is moving. And, he's, and, um, and I just feel like he's, Holy Spirit is, is coming to a place of prominence in the hearts and lives of believers, as he should be than ever before. So I just find it so exciting. And today, we're just going to, tonight, we're going to talk about that. Because in the past, again, Holy Spirit was just, let's be honest, it was a cramped doctrine in the church. It's not been given a lot of prominence. But I just want to say that if you think God the Father, if you think that's an important thing to understand and acknowledge and accept and live by, right, God, right? Like, come on, we believe in God, right? God the Father, if you think Jesus Jesus, the son of God, like Jesus, like, I mean, Jesus, Christianity, you know, it's named after Jesus. Like, if that's so important to live by, then I think that we also need to regard the Holy Spirit as equally important as those two, because he's a member of something that we call the Trinity. Amen? And so, listen, I just feel like this is something that we got to open up, we got to embrace. We don't have to be afraid. He's an equal member of the Trinity. If you feel like you're committed and devoted to God the Father, Christ the Son, let me ask you, do you feel just as committed and devoted to the Holy Spirit? You know? And so I feel like tonight we're going to tackle that. And I'm just believing that God's going to do some crazy things through the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. Our retreat this weekend is called the Freedom Retreat. And one thing that we need to understand about true freedom is that true freedom is supernatural. True freedom is supernatural. It's not something you can just conjure up in yourself through self-help. You know what I'm saying? True freedom, true grace, the supernatural power God gives you is not grace just like, oh, you've been saved on the cross and everything. That's grace too, but the grace to walk out freedom, the grace to walk out victory, the grace to overcome, the grace to, you know, storm the gates of hell, that supernatural grace, that freedom. We need to look to the Holy Spirit for that. The Holy Spirit for that. And you don't get freedom until we understand and embrace Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is His Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we're going to talk a little bit about Holy Spirit tonight. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. I'm going to be reading through the New King James Version, but whatever translation you guys have, just follow along with me. Let me just say a quick word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we just 
tonight, it's about you. This whole retreat is about you. Would you come and, and make your presence felt? Would you come, Father, and release the freedom that only you can release? Would you come, Jesus, and, and speak to us? As our brother John Park was even praying over us earlier, God, I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Your Holy Spirit would be heavy and thick in this retreat, Jesus. Let there be a grace to understand. Let there be a grace for knowledge of God, not to just be something that remains in our heads as a theology, but let it be a fire that burns in our hearts and changes and transforms us to the core. Lord, we just surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let me read for us. And you know what? I I turn to this passage on purpose because a lot of times when people preach on the Holy Spirit, where do they turn to? The book of Acts, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a place people always go to. But you know what? I love Acts. I like Luke who wrote Acts. I love him. But I don't think there's any better teacher to teach us on the Holy Spirit than Jesus himself. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So this is Jesus teaching near the end of his ministry. Verse 5. The subheading of this passage is called the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. John 16, 5 to 15, verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Amen. This passage is the preeminent passage of Jesus teaching on the importance of the Holy Spirit. And I just even love how it opens up. Look at the first few verses with me, guys. Verse 5 to 6. He says, I still have, he says, um, excuse me, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You know, how many of you know sometimes that sorrow can fill our hearts, that we lose perspective, don't we? And we ask the wrong questions. We ask, God, why is this happening to me? God, why now? What are you, God, why? Instead of like, Jesus, where are you going? You know, God, what are you doing in this season? God, where is your heart in all of this? And you know, Jesus says something astonishing here in verse seven. He says that it's better for us that he would go away. It's to our advantage that he will go away that he would send some sort of helper. You know, that could only mean one thing if you think about the ramifications of what Jesus is saying here. If the absence of Jesus, that never sounds good if you just think about those words, right? The absence of Jesus. No, my Jesus. (laughs) You know, the absence of Jesus. If the absence of Jesus would be better for us because this helper would come, this helper is someone incredibly special. Let me say that again. If the absence of Jesus would be better for us because this helper would come, how many of you know that this helper is someone incredibly special? This helper must be more than just a theology. This helper must be more than just a religious word we say in our prayers. This helper is more than just a Christian construction of Christian culture. Man, I want us to understand how special Holy Spirit is. Because I get the impression that some of us, we view him in ways, in in those ways, as opposed to who he really is, the most powerful person you will ever meet. You see, in the New Age movement, in the occult, if you get deep enough into it, uh, if you didn't know, you'll find out now, you get a sign sign like these spirit guides. They have these things they assign spirit guides, which is actually a demon to to kind of help you in life when actually they curse you and destroy you. You know, you you get assigned these demons. In Christianity, though, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, get, you don't get assigned just a little spirit guide, but you get assigned to dwell within you the very spirit of God. You know what I'm saying? Holy Spirit, that's who he is. He's the presence of God dwelling inside of you. 
Man, that's a crazy deal, isn't that? That you have the presence of God, the God who speaks the earth into motion, who, who names the stars by name, who says, calls out to the waves, you come this further and don't go, don't go one inch further. That God, the glorious, powerful, almighty, magnificent, that God inside of you. Come on now. It's crazy. It's good. See, Holy Spirit is the factor. It's the X factor thrown in reality, thrown in the world today. And, and even just within the church itself, it overthrows any potential of Christianity becoming just another religion or just another set of moral rules and regulations. Holy Spirit is the X factor that allows the manifestation of the supernatural in our lives. Amen? And yo, we need the supernatural. Can I get an amen to that? We're not here for the natural. We're here for the supernatural. We're here for a breaking in of God, you know, and all God is. And so I want to share three roles of the Holy Spirit with us that is illustrated, taught in this passage. Three roles of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Everyone say that together with me. One, two, three. The Holy Spirit is our helper. You know, Holy Spirit is just the greatest mercy that God could have on our lives, giving Holy Spirit onto us. Don't you love how Jesus didn't come to just die for us on the cross, but he also came to make a way for a member of the Godhead to be deposited in you so that you can get help in life, not just after your sins are taken away, but so that you can continue to walk without sin, continue to walk in a place of victory. You know, it's, it's better this is why Jesus is saying, like, it's better I go away while, you know, because I can send you this helper. Because Jesus in the flesh, if you think about it, he's limited in his dimensions, isn't he? You know, it's not like if Jesus was alive today, we can make an appointment with Jesus for one week, and then we share him, you know, throughout the room. And then that one time of the year, you get, a, you get time with Jesus. You know, it could have been that way. Jesus in the flesh, he's limited. Taking on the body of man, he can only be in one place at one time. He would not be as much help to us as his helper Holy Spirit would be. But Holy Spirit is not limited in his dimensions. He can be anywhere and everywhere and he can help us. Isn't that an amazing thing? Man. Oh my goodness, I don't know. You know, like what, what if you had the, the phone line, think of the most powerful person that you know alive today. It, it, you know, it could be a celebrity, it could be a political figure. You know, um, Hmm. <laughs> LeBron James, okay? LeBron James is just killing it in the, in, in, in the playoffs right now. Uh, I'm assuming we all know who he is. He's a pretty well-known figure. Let's say he reached out to us and, and he gave Brother John his phone. I mean, it's not his phone, but he gave you his phone number. And he was like, John, whenever you're in trouble, if you need help getting into any restaurant, you know, any club, actually, you shouldn't go with the clubs, you know? <laughs> if you want front row seats to a movie premiere, you know, uh, if, if you want, get a hookup on a nice car, you just call that number and, you know, I'll make it happen. But, uh, but it's like, like, you know, isn't, wouldn't that be crazy if we had that kind of access to someone like that, you know? You know, and I just feel like in the same way, it's even crazier that if you think about it and we just totally overlook it, that there's someone even crazier than a LeBron James, someone who created LeBron James, someone who is going to be far more popular and worshipped than everything when LeBron James retires eventually. That seems like forever, but you know, like there's someone that we have access to all the time. Like, I mean, you guys, it just, it just, it just slays me. You know, when I just think about the access that we have to God, like I'm just throwing words out there, okay? Um, you know, like we have access to him. You guys ever watch a movie called Prometheus? Okay. <laughs> I just heard some yuck in the front. I'm not spoiling anything, but the idea of Prometheus is just this guy on this, on, on, going on the space journey to find his creator, who are these aliens, you know? And he's just, he's the richest guy in the world. He's throwing all this money into it. And he's like really old. He's like dying. And he's got life preservation on the spaceship too. Like he's throwing everything. All his coins are, are, all his chips are in for this one thing. But I was watching Prometheus. I've watched it a couple of times now. I like sci-fi films. Okay, sorry. I just, you know, I I couldn't help but, I can't help but walk away from that film so blessed. Because I realized that old man his struggle, his desire to know his creator, to, to know him. Like, that's not just the old man. 
right? It's every one of us. We want to know a creator. We want to have this relationship with God. And some people, like, if they knew there was a God and that we could have a relationship with him, they would do everything in their life possible, even if up to their dying day, to kind of get to know him. But I just, I can't help but wonder, like, man, how lucky are we as believers that we have access to God through Holy Spirit, that we have Jesus, that we have him. We don't have to travel on some spaceship. You know, we don't have to curry favors with some celebrity. We have someone, we have access, we have, we have a connection to someone so much more greater. Man, Holy Spirit, he is our helper. They say it like this, Holy Spirit is Jesus without skin. You know? It's kind of like the Spirit of Jesus without skin. It's like if we have a helper inside of us, you know? And Jesus, what he's doing is he's departing. Why? So that he can actually draw even closer to us in the form of Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, any action that God takes in your life, how many of you know he does it for your best, for your good, because he loves you? Even when you, when you perceive that he's drawing farther away, actually he's drawing closer to you. And so, um, so that's, that's, what, that's what Holy Spirit's for. You know, he's our helper and, and it's, it's God's, Christ's way to love us better, pour out his love in a greater way to become more intimate with us. God is good all the time. Man, Holy Spirit, he's just wonderful. He's our helper. And according to verses 8 to 11, let me be, be a bit more specific about how Holy Spirit helps us in three ways. Number one, Verse 8 says this, he will convict the world of sin. And so Holy Spirit, say, you can write a subheading, we need his power to convict of sin. We need his power to convict of sin. It doesn't say that we will convict of sin. We can't, you know. It says that he will convict of sin. And look, this is so important because as believers, how many of you know that you're not just called to accept Jesus and just have this little insular Jesus relationship, but you're called to be a proclaimer of the gospel wherever you go. You're called to share the gospel, preach the gospel to all nations, right? Making, you know, baptizing, you know, you know all nations, all, th- all tribes and tongues in the name of Jesus. You know, just being a proclaimer. And so, but, but here's the thing, like, we, we are powerless to do that. We can't proclaim an effective proclamation of the gospel through our own words, through our own intellect. Like, there's no word of mine tonight and through its retreat that's going to change any bone in any person here. It's only the work of the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural is taking place right now that has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with anyone here, but has everything to do with the Spirit within me who is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Bible, that's why the Bible says, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit helps us. And and how does he help us? One of the chief ways, we need his power to convict of sin. Convict of sin. Number two, now this is looking more inwards, we need his power for righteousness. It says in verse 10, you know, of sin because he did not believe me. Verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of righteousness. Jesus saying, man, I'm gone. I can't teach anymore, you know, like, like I usually w- was able to, nor can I set the example. But guess what? There's going to be another spirit within you and he will empower you and he will train you for righteousness. And for those of us who, who have grown up in Presbyterian churches or, or just Reformed doctrine, like this is where you jump up and say, amen, this part I was, I was waiting for, you know, the empowering, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the Westminster Catechism, come on, somebody, you know, like, yes, finally, this is something that I can agree, no, I'm joking, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's true, you know, for righteousness, Holy Spirit, do you know what he does to make it very simple? Holy Spirit makes us holy. He makes us holy. Don't confuse any other purpose, objective, mission of the Holy Spirit other than one of making us holy, becoming more like him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we need his power for righteousness. And number three, we need his power for judgment. It says in verse 11, because, you know, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Holy Spirit's going to do that. He's going to judge the ruler of this world. Before Jesus, the devil was given free reign to do whatever he wanted to do to people. He would possess people, he would make people sick, he would torment people in all different types of ways. But now, through the Holy Spirit, now through the defeat on the cross of Jesus Christ, how many of you know the devil's time is over? 
Amen? It's over. That's why we can, that's why JP can lead us in freedom time, guys, <laughs> you know, before worship. You know, you can only say that because we have Holy Spirit. Look, we can take charge. We can judge. We have authority now that we didn't have before. So in the name of Jesus, devil, get out. You know, in the name of Jesus, sickness be healed. In the name of Jesus, for those who have struggled with depression, experience the joy of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Demons have no chance. The ruler of this world is judged. We need his power for judgment. So the Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps us in those three ways. Let me go into the second role of the Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit is our teacher, is our teacher. Verse 12 says this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. But listen, let's break down that sentence even further. I love how they use the word guide. Everyone say guide. Guide as opposed to force. You know, it doesn't say Holy Spirit will force truth upon us. It says that he guides because we are led at our own pace in our own respective seasons. It says in this passage very clearly, there's some things that we can't afford to cure in one season that he will teach us at another. You know, Holy Spirit is wise and is speaking to us. He's a guide. He guides us into all truth. All right? But, but let me, let's also move into that, that idea of all truth. Holy Spirit, he doesn't guide us into just some truth. And it doesn't say in the Bible that the rest you need to Google or Wikipedia. But it says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Everyone say all truth. All truth. Yo, just reading that verse should make you guys feel so secure in your lack of knowledge. Or just your fear that, you know, just reading this Bible, you're not going to, you know, you're missing out FOMO for other things and other books and other things, other cultures. Because Holy Spirit, that's all you need. He guides you into all truth. Come on, are we lucky as people of God? Amen? He guides us into all truth. Now, here's something I want to speak over us. Buckle up. But I've done my theological meditating on this, okay? Here. We need to regard our relationship with Holy Spirit as more important than a religious dependence on the Word. Okay? Okay? Because some of us, we're just like, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I can't hear Holy Spirit. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Listen, I love the Bible. (laughs) I read the Bible almost three times in the past six months. I was on like this Bible thing, you know. I love the Word of God. There's no one in this room that loves the Bible more than me. But I want to (laughs) just (laughs) highlight. Yeah, sorry. It just kind of came off. Sorry. I wasn't even thinking. I was looking at my next sentence without, while I was still saying the words of the former one. So apologies for the arrogance. <laughs> this is being recorded, right? Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, that's how I preach. I'm just really quirky at times. But, you know, listen, Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And here's the thing. Holy Spirit birthed the Bible. The Bible did not birth Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit birthed the Bible. The Bible did not birth Holy Spirit, which is why when the early church started, some of us may think, oh, they had everything all together. They had this book as we know it together. But if you study, they didn't have the New Testament when they started the early church. I mean, they were in the midst of forming that, you know? You know, they relied on the Holy Spirit to lead them to truth. It was the Holy Spirit that wrote the New Testament. You know, they had the Old Testament. They had the Holy Scriptures that they were relying on, which is also very important. You see, that doesn't just go for the early church and how our Bible came to be, but even modern day bears witness. Guys, if you visit the underground church and in any country, in any country where the church is being persecuted, like for example, China, how many of you know they don't even have Bibles in China? They have scraps of different chapters of the books of the Bible, and they, they, they just, they, 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 they suck everything they can out of those passages. A lot of times, they rely on the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. And I think the underground church in China is doing very well, you know, because it's just blowing up. It's exploding. It's just, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. And, you know, and these guys are being thrown into prison. They're being thrown into jail. They're getting tortured. They're getting electric cow rods thrust into their mouth because the government's so brutal like that, but it's still growing and exploding. 
It's not because they have nice Bibles. <laughs> it's because they have a very nice Holy Spirit within them, empowering them and teaching them all truth. It's, it's crazy when you hear stories of the early church. I mean, not the, uh, the church in, in China, they act like the early church, really. Because they can't even broadcast when they're going to meet because they got spies from the government everywhere. And so I hear stories of this. They, they, one church did this. I don't know if they do this regularly. But one church was like, man, we, we, you know what? Let's try doing this. We're all going to pray together. And in your own times, in your own prayer closet, in your own time of secret prayer, we're going to pray together. And you ask God tomorrow, it's a Sunday, what time we should meet. And whatever time God gives you, you show up at the place at that time. And so they all, like, imagine like 100 people in a room, cramped. Like, okay, oh my goodness, it's crazy. Being given that kind of challenge. Like, they don't even share what time the service can be tomorrow. They're going to let the Holy Spirit tell them the time. And then they all go pray, and then they get a specific time. And the next day, they all come together at a specific time. And go, oh, oh, you heard that time too. You know? Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He'll even tell you the time to meet. If we only have the faith and the reliance depends upon him, like you do. That's crazy. Um... And so, listen, like, even the idea of Bible study doesn't make sense to Bible study without inviting the very spirit that spoke, that, that, that birthed those words in existence to invite him into reading the Bible. Amen? And so, Holy Spirit, he guides us into all truth, which is why one pastor can take a passage that, I pre- that I'm preaching on this afternoon and preach it to you in a wholly different kind of way, a different angle, but just as anointed, just as powerful. It's not just limited to one definition. Because if you're just looking at this as a regular book, then there's only one way you can read it, right? But if you have the Holy Spirit empowering you, all truth, and he pours, the Bible says, you know, God pours out the Spirit without limit. This word is living. It comes alive. And it speaks fresh revelation each and every single time. Listen, I'm not knocking the Bible at all, but what I'm saying is we got to invite the Holy Spirit more, and we've got to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. You know? Some traditions, they, they see the Bible as almost like, like the, thir- the fourth part of the Trinity. You know? He's not part of the Trinity. <laughs> the Trinity created the Bible, you know? It's like... You know, and so we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. If you have a hunger for the word, what I find is that, you know, we need to also have a hunger for the spirit because the word points to the spirit. The word points to the spirit, which is why, like, you know, for me, I'm, I, I, I consider myself a Reformed theologian. Are you guys, anyone familiar with Reformed theology? If you are, if that word means anything to you, raise your hand. Let me just get an idea. Okay. <laughs> Let me just say, I can, I can, think, of your, think of your pastors back at home who are Presbyterian or whatever, Baptist or whatnot. Look, I'm, I'm probably as conservative in regards to what they believe about the Bible as with them, right? But here's the thing. I don't, I'm not fearful of preaching and teaching on Holy Spirit to people who tend to be more closed-minded towards the Holy Spirit because you know, they, they have such a high elevance of the word because I believe at the end of the day, I don't need to make a case. The Bible points to the Holy Spirit. The Bible points to him. Amen. And, and Holy Spirit, when you have a hunger for the Spirit, you also have a hunger for the Word, you know? Because the Spirit brings life to the Word. The Spirit gives us the motivation, the reason to want to read the Word in the first place. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our teacher. He guides us into all truth. Finally, the third role, you guys. So Holy Spirit, what's the first role? He's our helper. Second? Third role, Holy Spirit is the God glorifier. <laughs> Say that seven times, class. Holy Spirit is the God glorifier. Verse 14, he says, Jesus says, he will glorify me. (laughs) Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit takes what is God's and declares it to us. Now think of the things that belong to God, his power, his glory, his signs and wonders. These are things of God. Holy Spirit will declare to us. He will take of what is mine. Jesus is saying that, and he will declare it to us. And so, to be quite honest, because there's a big charismatic revolution kind of going on in the church, and people are becoming more open to signs and wonders, and people are hungering and seeking those things more and more, I think that's amazing. I think that's great. But I want to make a point here. It's not just signs and wonders. 
that Jesus is talking about when he's saying that Holy Spirit will take up what is mine and declare it to you. But it's his character. It's his character. And, and, and I want to say it's more his character than the signs and wonders. Because if you think about even signs and wonders, signs are things pointing to something else, right? But too often we just get fixated over the sign and in love with the sign without realizing that signs pointing to something. And it's the beauty, the worthiness of Jesus, the holiness of who he is, the glory of who he is. And so, lasting glory for God. If you want to be a true God glorifier, it's proven through the fruits of the Spirit. Now, not just the signs. And so, Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, talk about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so we glorify God through the fruits of the Spirit. And so one thing I want to say really, really quickly is that we've got to be careful because Holy Spirit, he's someone that we can, either, we can actually either please him or we can also grieve him in how we act. Holy Spirit is the God glorifier. So whenever we act in ways that glorify God, we please him. But when we act in ways that, that don't, we grieve him. And so the measure of how much you feel nearer to God is actually based on the decisions you make to either please or grieve Holy Spirit in your everyday life. In your everyday life. This is not just coming to a retreat or a church or a fellowship gathering, but it's even like what I'm, it's, it's, it's in those moments where you're holding your phone in your hand and you're like, I should be doing something else besides scrolling through my Instagram right now. <laughs> you know? It's in those moments that the decisions you can make can either please Holy Spirit or grieve Him. Pleasing Holy Spirit, to be quite honest, means okay, enough scrolling through the explore option, you know, enough of that. Time to actually scroll through the Word of God and get in the Word. I know it sounds so cliche, but have you ever tried that, you guys? Oh, man, I'm telling you. I boasted before, right? I, yeah, I read the Bible three times, whatever. You know, my first time that I did it, like, I, I did it in one month. Okay, I'm continuing to boast. I got to stop. But um, I, I'm just saying this as, as a way of humility, actually, because there was no way I could do it in one month unless I did a media fast. You just can't. It's just impossible. There's, there's so much to read. And so... Um, um, you know, like, I, I was faced with the, the, the um, predicament that for one month, the Bible had to be my Netflix. <laughs> you know, I couldn't turn to my Netflix for my, my entertainment or my relaxed, chill-down time. Like, if I wanted to get through the Word, the Bible would need to be my Netflix. And so I was like, oh. And it was a good time of the month where my favorite shows were coming out again in their seasons and whatnot. But, uh... And, and I was in the middle of watching something too. But I just felt like the word of the Lord, I had to do it. So I just, I just went for it. I gritted my teeth and went for it. But honestly, the more that you read the word of God, and I'm going to preach on the word of God a little later, sometimes we complain that we don't hear God's voice reading the Bible. But you complain because you just read one chapter a day. You read two chapters a day. Like how do you expect God to, li- God to like speak to you when it's just like literally like 40 seconds. You know, like, let me give you a challenge. Try reading 20 chapters. Try reading 30 chapters. Try spending an hour just reading the word of God. Woo! Woo! You know, it's not like the window is this small, like in the past where you just read two chapters, it's like, boom, 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 and you're like, get frustrated, you know? But it's like 20 chapters, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> am I getting across, though, in a weird way? Okay. Hey, am I, if I'm getting across, that's all that matters. You know, it's like, I'm telling you, reading the Bible for like 25 chunks at a time, listen, you get short-circuited by the revelation of God coming out of the pages. 25 chapters. It's like, oh my gosh. Okay, God, I could stop here, but no, I got to keep reading. Oh, 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 oh. You know, you get traumatized by the word of God <laughs> reading that long of a time. I'm telling you, if you feel like there's a famine in your life and hearing God's voice, it's because you're just reading too few chapters at a time. 
for some of us. You just need to read your Bible longer. And if you do that, you will hear God's voice. It will become more enjoyable. And yes, there, there came a time in the month where I just took time, but I felt free from social media, from entertainment, and the Bible truly became my source of entertainment, where I just couldn't wait to begin, you know, kind of catching up where I left off and just getting in the Word of God. Let me tell you, that does so much to you. Okay, I'm going to leave some of that for later. <laughs> um, I'm going to preach on this separately. But, um, but yes, we need to make decisions to please God, please the Holy Spirit, And I feel like it's in those daily moments that we have that opportunity and that chance. And look, if there's one thing that you guys take away from this retreat, that it's going to be freedom. (laughs) Honestly, some of it's going to be freedom from social media. It's freedom from your phone. Amen? It's the freedom to look at the Bible just as much as you would look at your phone. (laughs) Ooh. Like, that's going to be supernatural, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we need Holy Spirit, you guys. But it's possible, amen? With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible, amen? It, it, can, it can happen. Turn, touch someone next to you and say, you can do it. <laughs> Actually, turn someone next to you and say, I can't do it, but Holy Spirit in me can do it. <laughs> amen. You guys, Holy Spirit is the point of all things. In the scriptures. Even Jesus himself. Look at Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 50. You, know, you guys don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you guys. Verse 49 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying, I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish you were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. Like you could just imagine Jesus being like, Father, I want to release the fire. <laughs> I want to release the Holy Spirit and how I wish it were already kindled. You see, the mission of Jesus, it, did, it wasn't ended with just his death on the cross, but the mission of Jesus was to bridge a relationship between us and God and for us to be enabled to walk in resurrection life, a.k.a. Holy Spirit inside of us. Amen? I would say even the point of this book is so the Holy Spirit would get inside of us. And so even when you read the whole Bible, Like, if you read it in a very short amount of time, what you'll see and what you'll experience and what you'll feel is, it's just so so frustrating reading the Bible. Because in the first chapter or two, it's all good because God creates creation and it's like, oh, beautiful garden of Eden, you know? And then we screw it up. And then for literally like, it's story after story how we continue to fail, continue to screw it up, continue to backslide, continue to be stubborn, continue to get the culture of God. And it's like, you idiot, come on, it's God. You know, he's walking with you like, wake up, you know. But here's the thing. When you get to the book of Acts, when the early church is in that attic, upper room, and, and the Holy Spirit falls on them and the fire falls, and then, um, you know what? Let's... I'm gonna, we're we're going we're gonna to turn there, but from that point on, the book of Acts, is just really refreshing because <laughs> you just realize, you realize, man, okay, like there's a different spirit almost that comes upon the Bible from that point on because things have changed. The Holy Spirit is now in us and no longer, I mean, we still make mistakes, but no longer is in the same level of gravity of, you know, frustration and discouragement. It's like, no, the kingdom of God is moving forward. It's like a wildfire all over the world. You know, it's so refreshing. You know, I believe that's the point of Christ dying on the cross. He didn't just die on the cross that you just get fire insurance, you know, to avoid hell and get your sins taken away. But he died on the cross so he can get the fire inside of you, get the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can walk in victory. You can walk in hope, supernatural hope. You can walk in supernatural strength. You can walk in supernatural anointing and power to do all things through him who enables you to do all things. Let's turn to the book of Acts now, now that I said all that. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 13. Man, what a glorious day in the church when this happened. It's called the coming of the Holy Spirit. Woo! I'm getting pumped just even reading that. <laughs> 
Verse two, chapter two, Acts chapter two, verses one to thirteen. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rush, rushing mighty wind. Like, I, I need us to feel it, okay? I need us to just experience it, okay? We just can't read about a rushing mighty wind without a speaker emulating that in the microphone. <laughs> and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The whole house. I just love how I say the whole house. It wasn't just like one little corner, right? It wasn't just like the front row. <laughs> it was like the whole house from the front to the back. Like, you couldn't escape from the Holy Spirit. You couldn't, you know, hide from the Holy Spirit. He was everywhere. Whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues, as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And verse 4, they were all filled. Everyone say, all filled. filled. I love that. It wasn't just one or two or three passionate people, but everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit because the promise is for everyone, okay? Not just for the extroverts, not just for the introverts, it's for everyone. (laughs) And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Isn't that crazy? They didn't have to put on a show or sing a song to get people together. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit and they were just overflowing with the Holy Spirit and the very spectacle inside of that drew people. Verse 7, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, Are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Man, they're speaking the wonderful works of God, their own tongues. They, they didn't have writer's block, you know? It was just coming out of them, the wonderful works of God. They were just overflowing. They, were, they, could, they couldn't hold it in them. It was just exuding. It was just oozing out of them, the glory of who God is. Verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13 says this, others mocking said, they are full of new wine. You know, like they were so filled, there was a transformation. There was an effect, an impact that it had upon them that they were mocked for being drunk. Think about that. When you think of drunk people, do you think of clean people? Like people who act in a very clean way? No, that's why you call them drunk. You know, they act in a very messy, sloppy way. How many of you know that when Holy Spirit, when he falls, not only do we want him, as just said in this passage, but hey, we also got to get ready that he may come in ways that may make us feel a little uncomfortable, right? I think when they were mocking those people filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't think they were doing that in a very comfortable spirit, you know? I think they were like, oh, that's, ooh, <laughs> it's early in the morning. <laughs> come on, man, <laughs> lay off the wine. You know, like they were perturbed by that. And so when this powerful Holy Spirit whom I have described his attributes and what he does for us, when he falls upon us, the very spirit that birthed the universe, birthed all reality, when he comes upon us, look, we shouldn't be surprised if there are physical, tangible effects that also come upon us, you know? And so some of us, you know, may, may feel just a little tingling, hair on, the, hair on our skin rising up. Some of us may weep and cry or feel warm emotions in our heart. Some of us may shake violently, like, don't get scared about, don't get, don't get scared about that. You know, it's Holy Spirit. It's the, you're connecting, you're not just connecting with any person. You're connecting with the very Spirit presence of God inside of you. And so there's these different manifestations. Some people fall over. Luckily, the disciples didn't fall over there. <laughs> but what, what happened to them is that afterwards, Peter, the disciple, I mean, I can't read the whole thing. But you guys, I'm sure you can read it. Peter, he goes up there, and he's like this uneducated fisherman. He doesn't have a seminary degree. He hasn't taken public speaking 101 or whatever. He goes up there, this, this fisherman, you know? And, and it's, it's so ironic that God chooses him to be the speaker. Because if you read through the Gospels, he's always the one making the fool of himself, right? You know? Like, he's always going to be like, Jesus, I will follow you! You know? Like, he's just, he's just 
putting his foot in his mouth in moments that he should be doing. And then I remember one time, you know, he says something like really stupid. And, um, and Jesus is just like, oh my gosh, you know, no, you know, like, like it's, it's just escaping my jet lag. But like, you know, there's so many examples like that, right? But this Peter now, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a different person. He's got the helper. He's got the teacher. He's got the God glorifier. He's got the, the power to convict of sin. He's got the power for righteousness inside of him. He's got the power to judge the world. <laughs> Come on now. So this Peter, he comes up. I'm sure there's so many other insecurities that he had that the scripture doesn't make clear, but I mean, if you're just a human being, you would understand. Like he was scared, right? Because Jesus is like, you know, like what are we gonna do? You know, Jesus is gone, like he ascended to heaven. You know, he was scared in, in the room. You know, he probably had so much insecurity within him. But in a moment, in an encounter with the Holy Spirit, he experienced freedom. Freedom from all things. And he preaches a message. And one day, 3,000 people respond and they repent. You know, they don't just say it's a good message, but they repent. You guys, when Holy Spirit comes, that's what he does to us. He sets us free completely. You guys, we need to desire the Holy Spirit. We need to hunger for the Holy Spirit. We need to want him. And if we will come before him with the same spirit as that early church, I promise you, you will experience tongues of fire in your life. And I promise you, you will experience deliverance. I promise you, you will experience breakthrough and freedom, walls being broken, chains being snapped off of you, that you will walk in victory. You see, Holy Spirit is this. The more I come to think about this, you, you hear that term being spoken of in the church. Christianity is not a religion, it's a, it's a relationship, right? Like one of the biggest cliches, relationship. The more I've come to see it, Christianity is not a religion, it's more than just a relationship. Christianity is fire. It's fire. Fire emoji. <laughs> you know, it's like fire. Yeah. Um, I tried to communicate with my hand. It's like fire. It's like, oh my. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fire. It's, Christianity is more than just a relationship. Please don't think of Christianity just as a little relationship. You know, it's, it's that too, but it's more. It's revival. It's revival. It's reformation. It's resurrection. It's dead things coming to life. Amen? That's what we're here for, you guys. That's what I burn for in my heart. I'm not interested in seeing a generation that just looks at Christianity as a religion and, you know, a little relationship. I'm interested and I'm passionate and I'm crying out to God and I'm believing that God's going to raise a generation that sees Christianity as revival. And, and they don't sell for anything less than that, amen? Where it's freedom, resurrection.